Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We do love our grumps. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Towns comes up with an offensive board and the putback. Towns for the flush. Towns says, that's all right, that's okay, I'll get two points anyway. Nice ball movement by the Wolves. Towns wide open as a result and drills it. I thought Carl had a terrific game. I thought he put a lot of pressure on the rim. I thought he made good reads. I thought he made good plays. Uh, we're seeing him make more and more plays now, which is a good sign for us. And so, uh, you know, and, and I thought, you know, Jimmy and uh, and Wig just had to battle through things tonight. And some nights it's not going to be your night, but help just help the team win. So come up with loose balls, make hustle plays, uh, make the right play. I thought we made a lot of extra passes tonight that got us good looks. Actually, you know, Tyus Jones is a really good straw to stir the drink. Tyus Jones, sometimes when everything gets stagnant and like Jeff Teague, I thought held the ball a lot last night. He had a, he had a decent game. He had a couple of big shots too, but mm-hmm. Jeff and Jeff Teague's a, a pretty good passer. I think the rub was while well, Ricky, Ricky Rubio is the greatest passer that's ever walked the face of the earth. And Jeff Teague is, you know, Jeff Teague can pass. Sometimes he just holds onto the ball. Mm-hmm. When Tyus came in with that second unit, that thing gets moving around. Uh, Bielitsa gets it. Shabazz Muhammad gets it. Can I share with you? You were there, so you saw this in person. My favorite play of the game. Sure. Do you have any guesses as to what my it was in it was in the fourth quarter and it was fairly late. Do you have any guesses as to what my favorite play of the game was? It's, it's probably not that obvious, no, I guess. I don't. So Andrew Wiggins, who only scored like eleven points in the game last night, and wasn't he wasn't a huge factor. Jimmy Butler had a really rough night offensively. Mm-hmm. But Wiggins was in danger of not scoring double digits. And I think at the time of this particular play, he only had about seven points. And the game was still kind of in question. The Wolves were up by like six or seven points at the time with maybe two minutes to go. Yeah, Wiggins drives into the paint. So the Wolves have like a four-on-three or a three-on-two kind of an odd man situation. Yep. And Wiggins, Wiggins gets a pass on the fast break. He drives into the paint and has a chance... To go up, maybe go around a defender, maybe try and draw a foul, or oftentimes he'll go in, maybe he'll even like pick up a charging foul, mm-hmm. or he'll go up and try and dunk it in someone's face, because, all right, this right, I'm in the paint, I have the ball, and I am Andrew Wiggins, and I have tunnel vision. On this play, he saw Jeff Teague skirt out to the corner on the left, mm-hmm. and he rises up, uses the skill set, the athleticism, rises up, mm-hmm. 
and fires a pass to Jeff Teague in the corner for a wide open three mm-hmm. to put the game back to double digits with like two minutes to go. Yep. And I was and like, that was a great shot by Teague. Yes. Right, right in front of his own bench. That is how you use your skill set if you want to be an all encompassing great player. The numbers weren't great for Wiggins, but that play was a great play. He and Butler were a combined uh, six of 24, and they still won. So there are two, and this. This is a cliche to uh, to say, but I'll back this up. There are two primary examples to me of exactly why the Wolves would have lost that game last year and won the game last night. One is the second quarter. The first quarter, they became lethargic. The starters didn't play that well. The bench came in and played absolutely fantastic. Uh, Boz had, what, nine points? Yeah, he, he, hit, a, he hit a three for the first time in, like, it, it was like, literally, long. like, seven months. All season long, yeah. <laughs> Bielitsa had only two points, but I think he uh, he f- finished the game with 11 points. Bielitsa, by the way, is a different player. He Yes. So, second quarter, your bench play absolutely, as Tibbs said, saved you and took you from being uh, down to outscoring the Spurs 39-19. The second and most important, uh, probably, thing, though, is what you just said, and it's bigger than than just one play. There were numerous possessions in the fourth quarter where a year ago, the Wolves turn over the ball, give up points, and lose the game. Last night, I want to say there were about four or five, at least four possessions in the final quarter, though, where they forced a turnover by San Antonio, got the ball, and then did exactly what you just said. They came down, and if they missed a shot, they got the rebound and then work the clock. Yeah. Those are two things that a year ago this team had no chance yeah. to do. They grinded. I mean, they Not weren't a good team. I don't have the box score in front of me. You I think you do I actually. Right here, yeah. uh, I don't they the Wolves couldn't make a shot for half that game. What was their final shooting percentage? Uh, their final shooting percentage was 44.8%. So, it was respectable, but, but the first quarter it was 26.9. Yeah, they so couldn't they, shoot in the first quarter. So they stayed in the game with rebounding and defense, yep. and uh, as Tibbs pointed out last night, to transition defense. And so, yeah, you mentioned uh, Bielitsa. So he's shooting 58% from the field this season, yep. over 50% from three. He's been the most underrated player on the team for sure, and maybe one of the more underrated players in the league this season. Uh, he just, when you watched him the last couple of years, and I was super critical, he just looked like... A moping Eeyore. He just uh, complaining and fouls, and he didn't. You wouldn't know that he was one of the more clever and and dominating players in Europe for for a handful of years. You watch him in some of those European tournaments. He was the guy on the court, oftentimes for long stretches. Yep. And then you watch him here, and it's like, what? I don't get it. He wasn't aggressive at all last year either. If you extrapolate his numbers this year to thirty-six minutes, he's not. He's playing like maybe 16 minutes a game or something. So if you extrapolate, if he were to play 36 minutes per game, we're talking about 17 points, seven rebounds, uh-huh. two assists, a steal, and the percentages I gave you, 58, that's going to come down, but he can shoot, he's assertive, and I think Tyus Jones is helping that, and Jamal Crawford isn't as much for sharing the ball, but Jamal Crawford's confidence coming off the bench rubs off on other guys. Jamal Crawford's huge. Yep. Jamal Crawford is absolutely, in fact, who who was he? There was one point... Uh, in the second half last night, d- during a timeout where he pulled a teammate aside, and, and you could just see him, t- uh, might have been Tyus, just talking to him the entire time. Huh. And Jamal Crawford, it's funny because Tibbs, Tibbs once again last night was in full throat, you know, Tibbs, and just screaming, yelling. And Jamal Crawford's so calm. And you can see him sort of, he doesn't roll his eyes, but you can sort of see his demeanor of, okay, Tibbs, all right, let's just all calm down I love how Popovich just sits there silently mostly for the entire game. The, the greatest coach of all time. Watching him coach is 
absolutely fantastic. It's so much fun to watch him coach. I don't think Tom Thibodeau lives by the uh, the three mottos that Jamal Crawford gave us yesterday. How do you how do you stay young in spirit and young in looks? And he said, "Don't stress. Yep. Drink water. Yep. And be active." I don't think Tom Thibodeau's checking those boxes. Well, he certainly, I he certainly isn't checking the the don't yeah, stress box. The stress box is off the charts bad for Tibbs. <laughs> but yeah, Popovich is Popovich. It's great too because when when he gets mad, he sort of wanders over to a player. His player will be sort of laughing about it and be like, "What are you doing? Yeah, what are you?" And Tibbs, rotate. And Tibbs is yelling. And Tibbs was Pop yelling at like, what, what the, are you doing? the first possession of the game. Tibbs was screaming at the official across the court because he thought there was like a foul, and and the official was looking at him, rolling his eyes like. You didn't even see the like. What are you doing? The official finally the game yelled just back. Started. He yelled back and he goes, "Tibbs!" He goes, "Tibbs!" Across the court and he explains himself. My question is this though: I am amazed every time I go to a game with the amount of times that that, that Tibbs spends complaining. He rarely gets teed up. Officials must really like him. I think it's like it's like those defensive teams in the NFL that just ride the receivers. The Seattle Seahawks and Xavier Rhodes does this too. That if for three hours I'm just going to set the bar a little higher for how much contact is going to is going to happen here, they're not going to call it every time. If you're just bellowing and screaming at the top of your lungs and shouting expletives for for two and a half hours, they're not going to tee up every time. They but can't. he never he doesn't even get it teed up once. It's no, crazy. But it was hilarious when the official across the court in a in a packed building just finally goes, Tibbs. Yeah. Listen to me. I got another one for you here. So signs of some uh, some improvement here in areas, and they're they're nine and five. And Jamal Crawford said it on our show yesterday. He said, "Whatever we are right now, and we're off to a good start. We're going to be such a better team in the second half of the season because we had limited preseason. We none of us have ever played together before. We're trying to learn Tom Thibodeau's systems. So the fact the more ground they can gain while they're not really gelled, the better. Sure. If they're nine and five now." What would they be if you started the season over, but they were fully gelled in the second half? You know, would they would they have two extra wins? There's probably a couple games that they went to blown. Like they probably went to lost those Eastern Conference games. The Phoenix game the on they Saturday, did. they probably don't lose. Uh, but Andrew Wiggins, I, I dug this up. I did some some research on uh, Wiggins shot selection, which has been one of the worst parts to his game the first few years of his career. Up until this season, 25 percent of Wiggins' shots were long twos. So he's from 16 feet to the three-point line, the most inefficient shot in basketball. The shot that the Houston Rockets, one of the best teams in the league, have just eliminated from their repertoire. Mm -hmm. They've told their players, if you take a shot from this distance and it's not a special circumstance or you accidentally stepped on the line or something, uh, you're going to be benched. You're going to be traded. Wiggins, one in every four of his shots is a long two up until this season. This year, that number is down to 14%. Okay. So he's gone from 25% long twos to four, to 14%. Now, on top of that, here's kind of the problem. He's swapping those out mostly for threes, which which is good in practice, but he's not very good at hitting those shots yet. Mm-hmm. He's very streaky from three. Uh, in general, he's much better from like 12 feet and in, finishing at the rim, getting to the free throw line. So he's recognizing... Shot selection this season more than his previous few seasons. Now it's a matter of knocking those shots down. It seemed to me in the first half last night, like we did see a few, uh, a few um, too many long twos. Oh God! Because it was, they were like zero for nine on long twos in the first quarter. Here's here's what I don't get in this era, because 
if you're if you get the ball and it's going to be a long two, you, you can just look down. I'm surprised more guys. I mean, they they just took them and and the Spurs. You, you could see they would look down, back up, and shoot. It surprised me that that the Wolves don't just get into that type of of deal where yeah. they just look down, back up, and take a well, shot, and it's a long two turns into a three. The other thing the Spurs are really good at defensively. They, I mean, basketball can kind of be boiled down to on a macro level. Taking efficient shots and then preventing your opponent from getting to the places they want to get on the court, right? Defensively, sure. And so when the Spurs play defense, if you watch, they'll filter, they'll they'll make Jeff Teague take more shots over a long chunk of time than Carl Anthony Towns or so. I'm just giving you an example. They know that um, they know that if you get the shots that you want, it might be corner threes and layups. So they're going to try and filter you to. Taj Gibson taking a, an 18 footer, mm-hmm. which he's okay at that shot, but like you'll lose a game if Taj Gibson goes lights out from 18 feet. Like you, you can you can live with that. Um, but last night the Wolves were able to. I know Kawhi Leonard was out. He's one of the best players in the world. But that's a that's a nice win for the Wolves. What what's your best guess on Butler's slump? Butler's shooting slump has gone on for a while now, and he was last night was atrocious. He can't get anything to go. Now for. he's never been a great shooter, right? He's been a streaky okay shooter. And he's got got that kind of old school isolation that Dwayne Wade, Kobe Bryant, old Michael Jordan. Like I'm gonna, all right, everyone clear out. I'm gonna post up and pump fake a couple times and take a fade away from 15 feet. I'm not really worried about it. They're nine and five in large part because he's on the court. I, it's yes. it's sort of that KG effect from the twilight of his career. Well, where if he's on the court, things are just more organized. Did you see the play last night? He checked back in in uh, in, in the fourth. Immediately got on the floor. Stripped the Spurs forward of the ball, came back down. They passed the ball around, burned clock, and he scored. Yep. And it's that type of play. That's the exact type of play that you never got last year. Yep. They're very, they're much because of Jimmy Butler. The, it seems like they're much more handsy, not in an inappropriate way, but like more handsy. You want to be handsy in 2017? Yes. No, you don't. It can don't come be back. too handsy. No, get in a lot of trouble. Uh, let's come back here, talk some football. Anthony Maggio from the Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Our fantasy football challenge between the novice Judd and the uh, the professional Maggio. And also, later on this hour, the Twins will have an off-season of success if blank. We'll fill in that blank around 11.30, Mackie and Judd. Okay, let's go. Running their mouths counts as a morning run, right? Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd's press coverage. Mackie and Judd's pooch kick. Mackie and Judd's two-minute drill. Yes, or the fantasy football challenge, as this segment is Uh, called. Anthony Maggio is uh, one of the three hosts of the Fantasy Football Party podcast, which you can find on 1500ESPN.com slash podcast or anywhere you would download podcasts, pretty much. Uh, We'll get to the competition between you and Judd, but... It was kind of a bloodbath this week. It could have it could have been worse. Maj had Cam Newton, who pretty much outscored Judd's entire roster. Uh, but so we'll get to that. Let's start though with some things that people should know about this week's fantasy football landscape. Maj, maybe some stuff beneath the surface. What do you got for us? Yeah, I got a, a handful of things about the wide receiver position for you this week. Uh, you know, it's teams are trying to uh to fill in for these last bye weeks here this last bye week here injuries um i think it's interesting to note marquis lee who's available still in a lot of leagues he's got 39 targets in his last 
three three games here, four games. Um, no, it's three games with uh, touchdowns in each of his last two, and he has a low of 55 yards in his last four contests. So, like, really quietly in Jacksonville, uh, when they should just be running the ball, Marquise Lee has turned into like a legit number one receiver for them in Allen Robinson's absence, and certainly a, a wide receiver three or flex type uh, that can be started almost on a weekly basis here. So, uh, interesting name to note. And another one who's owned in even fewer leagues, which is shocking, is Corey Davis. He has had 10 targets in two of his three full games played this season. He missed a lot of time with that hamstring injury. Last week he had the the fumble at the pylon, which uh, also Benny Cunningham had for the Bears, which was a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, he's been, like, that close to, you know, having, you know, having his breakout, I think it's coming. I Honestly, I think the rest of this season, Corey Davis, he's going to be the number one for that Titans offense and, and you know, be kind of a wide receiver two type for fantasy teams. So if he's still out there, go grab him. And then uh, just a, a one-week kind of note here, or at least one week for, for the Ravens wide receivers. They get the Packers this week. The Packers have allowed – a lot of production to lead receivers, but they've allowed sets of teammates. I got this from Rich Rebar over at Roto World. They've allowed sets of teammates to post top 25 weeks in four of their last five games. So not one receiver, but two keep putting up numbers. So, you know, Jeremy Macklin makes a really nice play this week, and even Mike Wallace makes a nice dart throw because he's, he's one of those boomer bust guys. It's been a whole lot of bust this year, but he's got a big one coming. I think it could be this week. Maj, what is your guy John Fox doing? When, when, as you just alluded to, he Any challenges question. he challenges a call containing it's a touchdown, and of course they look at the entirety of the play, which they're supposed to do, and say, you know what? Not only is that not a touchdown, that is a fumble through the end zone, which results in, in a touchback. Only your, uh, only your Bears. They're they're a special collection in 2017. Yeah, yeah, that certainly is it, the like you know the the sideline shot of his face, that sort of confused sadness, <laughs> like just. And, and I mean, I don't know, you know, I don't know which guy called down and said, Hey, throw the, you know, throw the red flag. I don't know if that was Fox or if that was somebody else, um, you know, uh, sitting upstairs, but it's just like, uh, I, I understand that every, you can't count on a touchdown from the one yard line. Like we've seen it happen with fumbles or players getting stuffed, whatever, but it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's, a microcosm of kind of how things have gone lately for the Bears more than anything. Like that kind of stuff, I guess, happens every now and then. But it's like, of course, it happened to the Bears, right? And that's just that's just the way it's supposed to go. Are but you hey, are, are you in a, are you in on Mitch Trubisky long term? Um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I, you know, he's he's more athlete than quarterback right now. Um, so we'll see. I think that last week is not what they want to do. Like he threw for almost 300 yards last week. And that's not at least right now what they want from him. They want to be able to play from the head, run the ball. Um, you know, they, they've continued to move him out of the pocket, which I like because I do think that um, ultimately he is going to be that kind of a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback. Like that's how he's going to kind of reach his ceiling. Um, but they need more weapons. I mean, Dontrell Inman, who just played his first game for the Bears last week, is their number one receiver. And it's really hard to get a gauge on a guy when he's throwing to, you know, a, a bunch of guys that, you know, should basically be wide receiver fours on other NFL teams. So um, I, I'm, I'm in, in in the sense that he's better than anything that they've had for a while. But like, I can't I can't sit here and say, yep, he's the future. He's the guy. And, I, you know, I'm. I'm ready to call him the Bears' future quarterback that's going to lead them to the playoffs. I just, it, I've been burned too many times, I think, watching the Bears to, yeah. to go that far on guy. Hey, this is, I'm kind of putting you on the spot, and we're going, uh, we're going like deep into the future of fantasy football here. But if you were to do a 2018 fantasy football draft right off the bat, let's say, I don't know, like half point PPR, 
who would be the first three picks right now? Uh, Le'Veon Bell, for sure, um, would still be one of them. I mean, he's still getting the volume. Um, I, I honestly, I still think that David Johnson is probably going to come back and be that guy to be number two. Um, and then, you know, we'll have to see. There were rumblings of Ben Roethlisberger retirement last offseason. Who knows what's going to happen this offseason? Assuming everything stays as is, I think I would still say Antonio Brown's there, but you could make a really, really good case that it should be Todd Gurley. Um, you know, if you're in a standard league, I think definitely. And honestly, Gurley's being used enough in the passing game that, like I said, even now, I think you can make that, that argument. It's it's these ebbs and flows, right? So there's not um, a last year was like you got to take wide receivers in the first round just based on looking, you know, who those top tier guys were. But the receiver position has really fallen apart kind of this year with Odell getting hurt and Julio just kind of being bad, Brown not performing as much. So and meanwhile, you've got so many shared backfields that grabbing a true number one running back, I mean, that's like gold. So um, that you know that's why I think Gurley really becomes part of that conversation for that third spot. Right on, Anthony Maggio from the Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Uh, you guys. Can- can drop some knowledge for uh, this week's games in uh, in this form, the Fantasy Football Challenge. The veteran, Anthony Maggio, this and the not, amateur, Judd Zilgad. That's not good for me. Well, Judd was kind of hanging in there until this week. Yeah, Maggio's put his foot right on my throat. The rules are each one of these guys picks a quarterback, a running back, and a pass catcher. You can only use each player once all season. Standard fantasy scoring. Maggio had more points with Cam Newton alone than uh, Judd had with his entire trio. <laughs> Maj. Maj with Cam Newton, Carlos Hyde, and Antonio Brown had 50.8 points. A massive week for him. Judd with 28.1 oh. with Dak Prescott, Jordan Howard, and Doug Baldwin. So uh, on the season, Maj leads Judd by 40 points, 463 to 423. You guys can uh, figure out who wants to go first here. In your week eleven picks, I'll go first. All right, it doesn't matter now. You're all dejected. A lot of football left, Jack. There's seven weeks left. Maj, here's the problem. You you humored me for several weeks. You tried to take it easy, and then last week you destroyed me, and now it's over. Anyway, Maj has won four weeks in a row. I know he has. I know. Okay, thanks. Very upset about this. And he's won all but it looks like two or three weeks on the season. Thought I could pull off an upset, and I'm not going to come close. All right, so I'm going to go with at quarterback Matthew Stafford for the Lions against Amaj's Bears uh, because I'm confident that Matthew Stafford can put up some decent numbers, at least against Chicago. Hmm. Running back, I was a little bit torn on this, did some research. I'm going to go Alvin Kamara of the Saints against the Redskins. One of those... Running backs is going to have a pretty big game. Both of them might have decent games, uh, but I saw a suggestion that Kamara actually might be the guy in this game. So I'm going with him as my running back. And for the first time this season, I'm not going with a wide receiver. I'm going with a tight end. Tra- uh, Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs against the Giants. The Giants have, I don't care how many times they meet now, they are done. They've given up. Ben McAdoo can say whatever he wants. It's not going to uh, impact the fact that his team stinks. And Travis Kelsey... Actually, uh, the stats I saw, tight ends, not surprisingly, have had very good games against the Giants. So Stafford, Kamara, and Travis Kelsey. Okay. Yeah, I wish I'd had Kelsey available to play still because, yeah, the Giants, they've given up a tight end touchdown in every single game. I mean, Garrett Selleck 
had like a 20-point fantasy day last week for the 49ers. So that is a good pick. Uh, let's see. Well, for quarterback for me, I'm actually going to go with uh, Carson Wentz at Dallas. I mean, he's been a, the number eight QB or better in seven of his nine games this year. Dallas 23rd in passing points allowed per game, fantasy passing points allowed per game. So I like Wentz here. Uh, I, I actually, for my running back, I had uh, I had Ingram and Kamara written down. So I'm like, I'll take whichever one that uh, doesn't go to uh, doesn't go to Judd here. So I'll go with Ingram in there. Uh, just a note um, here on them in general. Since they're by week in week five, they've rushed for almost 181 yards per game Jeez. as a team. Over that span, 18 offensive touchdowns for the Saints, and only five of them have been through the air. So uh, I like Kamara a lot. I like Ingram a lot, too. So uh, one of us will do good. Maybe we'll both do good there. We'll see. And then for my wide receiver, I'm going to go with Doug Baldwin going against Atlanta. Um, all four games since thereby, he's had double-digit points. Um, I, I like his matchup in the slot here going against Atlanta, who's given up big days like Jarvis Landry, Golden Tate, other you know guys that play out of the slot there. So big day coming, I think, for Doug Baldwin. All right, Maggio uh, with a comfortable lead. Be kind, Maggio. comfortable lead Be right kind now. to me. <laughs> it's getting very hurtful how far I'm falling behind. I think you're doing okay. You're hanging in there. Yeah. You're, you're studying trends. You're. I'm trying. I got beat by one guy last week. Yep, that's true. Yep. All Don't right, try Maj, to be nice. Good stuff, Maj. We'll catch you next. Well, next week is Thanksgiving, so maybe we'll catch you uh, in a couple weeks. We'll see. We'll schedule. Bye, Anthony. All right, sounds good. Later. All right, Anthony Maggio from the Fantasy Football Party Podcast. Go download, subscribe. It's Bo Mitchell. It's John Tuvey. And, uh, and Anthony Maggio. It's entertaining stuff every week. If you're into daily or weekly leagues or a season-long league, it's definitely a good entertainment for you. All right, a little hot stove action when we come back here. We're going to fill in this blank as best we can. The Twins offseason will be successful if what? Mackie and Judd. And uh, we've got some random basketball games on here. You know what? what on, on the uh, TCL 4K Roku TV, it's 55 inches. And I've found that pretty much... Anything you put on one of these entertainment masterpieces is uh, is going to keep your attention. Like I don't even. This is like Illinois State and somebody from Puerto Rico, and there's really no interest. But South Carolina, South Carolina. But just watching the game on this type of television, 4K picture quality, which is four times the standard 1080p picture quality, and also the fact that it has a built-in Roku device, which gives you access to 4,000 plus streaming channels. Here's another cool thing about TCL. They're giving you a great chance to see the Timberwolves in a TCL theater box at Target Center, November 22nd against the Magic. If you want tickets, you can win four of them by going to 1500ESPN.com and entering the keyword TCL. Now, these TCL theater boxes offer dramatic views of VIP experience, five-star cuisine, lounge area, oversized chairs, 1500ESPN.com. Keyword TCL to win the tickets. Mackie and Judd are back. Are you ready to kick it up? On 1500 ESPN. I think this should just, every time we talk baseball ever, this should just be on a loop in the background. Yeah. Kill the twib music? I like the twib music. I love the twib That's music. That's a good intro for Derek Wetmore, but there's something about Hello, the, buddy. you know, the Cleveland Indians in the early 90s going on a winning streak and sticking it to the owner. The early 90s, yep. Um, yep, yep, yep. I thought it was really interesting that Doogie brought up in his scoop segment earlier today that the Twins are in on you, Darvish. He kind of floated around you, Darvish, and Jake Arrieta, and we and we stopped him and said, "Are they really in on you, Darvish? Like, what do you know?" He said, "Yes, mm-hmm. they're in on you, Darvish." According to Doogie, the Twins have told agents and and whoever they need to be in touch with, 
whatever. I, I know the, go, the the asking price is going to be $20, 25000000 million a year, multiple years. Keep us in the conversation because we are interested in you, Darvish. I'll believe it when I see it, a Twins team signing the top free agent. I don't think you have to do that to have a successful offseason. But despite his struggles in the World Series, you, Darvish, would be a really, really good pitcher to add to this rotation. I think what's intriguing about this, and this does not mean that they are going to sign him, is that they're just not dismissing it. I mean, it's very, it's really, really simple. But I think where we're like, whoa, which is it not being dismissed, or us not assuming. I mean, there got to be a point with Terry where you would never ask the question. We might joke about, yeah, they're going to pursue you, Darvish. Yeah. No, they won't. But nobody really even went to Terry and was like, hey, are you going to pursue Darvish? Now the fact that the Twins are like, well, of course we're going to. We're in on all players. That's like step one of of following the Twins and being like, oh, oh, you really are. Yeah, It doesn't even mean that you're going to sign the guy, just the fact that you might make a phone call. Because I sense those phone calls were never made. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think they were. There wasn't a whole lot of communication on on that level. Now, you Darvish wasn't. Now he had he missed the 2015 season, so th- three seasons ago, with the Tommy John surgery, and um, and last year was his first full season pitching since then. So he's had some stuff, some injury stuff. He's he's only about 29 years old. I want to say maybe going to be 30. The ERA jumped a little bit, 3.86. The peripherals give up more home runs. Um, it, it wasn't quite the same guy he was before the surgery. But now that you're another year removed, I think you have to go into it assuming that he's healthy off of surgery from now three seasons ago and also assuming that you're going to be getting one of the top 20 pitchers, starting pitchers, maybe one of the top 15 starting pitchers in the league, just depending on how you rank them. So I don't think – I'll start the the answering uh, with this. I don't think you have to sign you Darvish to have a successful offseason. I think you have to sign two very good pitchers. Mm-hmm. I think – be in on you, Darvish. Be in on Wade Davis. If you wind up with Alex Cobb and Addison Reed mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, like Lance Lynn slash Jake Arrieta for 50 to $80 million over a multi-year deal, yep. and Brandon Morrow as your bullpen ace, I think that's a good offseason. Add at least two pitchers, and you're going to have to spend – you're, for for the starting pitcher, if you get an Alex Cobb or a Lance Lynn, we're probably talking about $50 million over four years, somewhere in that neighborhood. And for a Brandon Morrow or an Addison Reed, a notch below the Wade Davis. Mark, Wade Davis is going to be like $15 million a year on a four-year deal. Mm-hmm. But you're going to spend between 60 and $100 million in total contract value on those two pitchers. Get comfortable with it. That's the price of a ticket to go see a movie now and go supplement a really good core that helped get you to that second wild card spot. That's a successful offseason. If you want my preference, I would prefer that you get, for instance, Cobb and Davis. I'm willing to overpay for Davis because I can control the term. The problem with a starting pitcher is you can't. If you go after Darvish, you're going to pay his price. And more importantly, you're going to give him his years. If I go after Davis and can keep that at four years, I absolutely do that. So... My opinion of of, uh, of successful moves would be to reach into what you might consider sort of being the secondary bin, but not bad of starters, get one of those guys, and get what you consider to be an absolute lights-out bullpen guy. Yeah. That would be it. Um, internally, though, in th- thinking this through, there's something else that I think is very important, and that's this. 
you need to get a handle, and this needs to come from you and him, on Sano's future and how serious he is about this entire venture. Because if he comes back next year in good shape and he comes back post-surgery and he produces, he's a monster. I mean, you could put Miguel Sano on an absolute monster season. If he comes back and it's sort of the same, though, and I'm not even saying he gets hurt. I'm just saying he comes back and he's lost some weight, but he gains it right back and you go down this path again. He can be very good. He can't be a monster. So I think as important as anything you do for your future as far as going out into the open market and getting guys, I think it's equally as important that everyone gets their their head around what Miguel Sano wants for himself. Yeah, and unfortunately, you might not be able to figure that out in the offseason because he's going to be healing from surgery. You you might have to just see what he looks like when the season starts and then see how he progresses through the year. That might not be a this offseason thing, but I'm with you. Like You got to... Is he the centerpiece of your team, or is he just kind of a peripheral power hitter piece to the puzzle? And you'll take the peripheral power hitter part. Maybe you have to say that five times fast. Peripheral power, power hitter, hitter part. part. Uh, maybe maybe too. you have to move him off third base at some point, but you might not. You're you're gonna have to figure that out kind of through the season. I'll add another one though in terms of players who might be question marks. We know Brian Dozier is really good. We don't know what his future status is in a Twins uniform. Because his contract is up after the year. He's going to be 31 years old going into 2018. He makes $9 million, which for his production is a great team-friendly contract. Do you want him on your on your squad for three or four more years? Would he sign a three-year contract extension with you? I think if Brian Dozier hit free agency right now, we'd be looking at a four-year contract for between $15 and $20 million a year. And I might even be low on that. Because he's a gold glove caliber defender. He just won the gold glove. Value goes up. Whether it's an accurate representation of his defensive value or not, like defensive value goes up just because of that. It's sort of negotiating leverage. Sure. He's one of the best offensive middle infielders in the game right now. The top tier is the the Jose Altuve. Uh, there's a few shortstops in that top tier. And Brian Dozier is kind of right in there on that. That's the top of that second tier. Mm-hmm. He's a 15 to $20 million player. Do you want to pay that over a three or four year stretch? If I'm Brian Dozier and the twins offer me like three years and $45 million, I might say, God, I love playing here, but this is my one shot in the prime of my career to go get a real free agent market value contract. You might have to allocate budget to Brian Dozier over the next few years. And if not, if you decide this offseason, Brian Dozier, we're just not going to pay him. 18 to 20 million dollars a year on like a three or four year contract. Well, then should you trade him? Should you trade him going into the year if you've decided he's not going to be part of your long term future? Or do you write him out in the last year of his contract to try and win as much as you can? I write him out and then offer I him, write, I know, get, get draft pick compensation or something. I ride this out. I ride this out. And ultimately, if he has another good year and wants to stay here and and you can work out a three or four year contract I'm that's fine I mean the Royals might do that with Hosmer yes so. but I'm but if I'm the twins given given what I have I definitely don't trade him um and if I and if he wants to stay here and and you can do what you consider to be a favorable contract for the team I do that but if he says well I'd like to wait I say that's fine we'll wait because you're in a position now where trading him a year ago would have made some sense. I don't think it does now. He is he is an essential part, I think, of your team. So why not just bring him back, 
ride it out. If it works long-term, fantastic. If it doesn't, yeah. okay. I, I would add this to our uh, successful off-season blueprint conversation. There's the rumors about this Rizal Iglesias, this closer for the Cincinnati the Reds, Reds, who's yes. like 30 years old. He's in his prime. He's been really good the last couple of years. He has he has it's a bad team, but he has closing experience for whatever that's worth. In general, with all of the reliever options out there, there's the top tier of Wade Davis and Greg Holland, and then there's the the bin of like eight other guys, the Brandon Morrow's, even Tommy Hunter. There's guys you can go sign for two years, twelve million for three years, twenty-two million. Those types of contracts. I'd rather give up money as an asset to get an eighth inning or end of the end of the bullpen bridge kind of a guy than give up key prospects for a Rizal Iglesias. I think you should, if you can at all choose money or prospects to get that mm-hmm. added piece, I think you should choose money. Mm-hmm. Because you could leverage those prospects for maybe another pitcher at the trade deadline if you wanted to. Uh, so if you were to add, let's say, Alex Cobb to the mix, or, I mean, if you added you Darvish, that would be a totally different story. Let's say it's Alex Cobb or Lanzalan, a really good solid starter. Your rotation now kind of shapes up. It's Jose Barrios, Irvin Santana, Alex Cobb. Kyle Gibson's probably Gibson's in your rotation. To start he's, next season. He was really good the last couple months. Yep. And then that last spot is kind of a battle of, is Phil Hughes back from a surgery? I'm kind of done with him. Adalberto Mejia. But you can find that guy. Trevor May is back off the surgery. The fifth guy you can find. Gonsalves. Yeah. The interesting thing uh, for the Twins is this, too. I don't, if you were to absolutely get the truth from them, I think they would fully acknowledge, we're not all in because you can't be yet. You're, you're just not there yet. But you're ahead of the schedule that you thought. And so it's sort of this weird, okay, we've got to treat this like we're we're definitely, we're going from ha- having what they probably consider to be a toe in the w- water or a foot in there to being more in than that, but you're not diving in completely. Like yeah. you, like it would make no sense to make a trade that mortgaged future for this coming year. It would make sense to get more parts and be a playoff team. But if you're looking at deep playoff run, this the American League's going to be really tough still. Uh, Barry brought up a good point on Twitter here. Yeah, Darvish's ERA went up but and the home run totals. But to his point, yeah, Barry brings up a good point. Uh, pretty much every pitcher's home run totals and ERA went up. The league had a record number of home runs. so it's But relative to the league, Darvish I, also yes. took a little bit of a dip. But he's still... Absolutely worth kicking the tires. I think we're. I think you and I are both on board, though, with this philosophy. When it comes to a pitcher like that, they get way too long a contract. It's the term that scares me. Mm-hmm. So, and and this I is ain't not going seven years. And this is on not, you, Darvish. If you offered me short of Kershaw, if you offer me, if you tell me, hey, you can get pitcher A at seven years, it's going to scare me every time. I think the Granky contract was five years and thirty to thirty-five million dollars a year with Arizona. That's the way to do it. Overpay yes. on a shorter. I'd rather if you're if I'm going to have to pay you 120 or 140 million dollars, I'd rather it be in five years than eight years, right? Because what like the Pujols contract was a 10 year contract. And those contracts he are, is a shell of himself. And those contracts are ultimately almost always stupid. Yeah, Mackie and Judd. Phil Mackie. Troubled, sensitive, artistic. Judd Zolgad. To alcohol, the cause of and solution to. All of life's problems. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join Judd this Saturday, 3 to 5. 
at Lucky's 13 in Bloomington for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dosakis. Enjoy a nice cold one and register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dosakis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. We were just talking off the air. We're so excited for our third annual Patrick Royce Turkey of the Year pregame special on Wednesday next week. Favorite show of the year, and it's not even close. Oh, I'm with, oh, totally with you, Harrigan. I love this Where show. We handicap all of the potential candidates, yep. and we try and pin down, usually unsuccessfully, because Patrick is very sneaky. Well, And I can't even, like, the problem here is, from my scouting standpoint, I can't even scout the way that he's worry. communicating on Twitter because he blocked it. me. I got it taken care of, and okay. so does Dave. Now, now, the thing is, though, I honestly believe that within the last couple of years that there might have been tweaks at the table based on this show. Oh, it's very possible. Because you know he listens. And you know if we get too if we get too close to the flame, he's gonna back off. Yeah, because he doesn't write it usually. He doesn't file it until Wednesday, right? Oh yeah. I mean it's not like he filed it yesterday. Oh or something. no, 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 no. That many people could never see it that And early. He's too much of a contrarian to just file it and then people are on to it. Like he'll he'll if he thinks people are on to it, he'll change it. So Absolutely. maybe we might have to yes. this is kinda like uh like in poker. You're trying to read your opponent, right? And the first, it's called out-leveling someone. The first level is, okay, what do I have in my hand? That's the, do I have a flush, a straight, do I have a pair? And then the second level of thinking is, what does Judd have? Ah, Judd's kind of a... And Royce, he's got the dark glasses pretty, on. Pretty, got the sunglasses on. Or the Greg Raymer dinosaur eye glasses on. <laughs> and then level three is... What do they think I have? What does Judd think I have? Wonder what Judd thinks I have. So you, I'm representing this, but he thinks I have that. And so you're saying that Patrick, we're like we're like level three, level four here, right. uh, trying to out level Patrick Royce. I'm not kidding when I say at least it's been at least a month ever since the weather really turned from summer to autumn that I have been taking mental notes and trying to rehash the last year in sports as to who. And I've come up with so many great options of who the turkey. But I think I think I finally hit it this morning. And I'm not going to say it. I'm yeah. not going to give it away because I don't want Pat to hear this. But I think I may have nailed it. And it took this long to finally get to it. And the beautiful thing about this, though, is you can take you can take uh, the PJ Flex and eliminate them immediately. That's the great thing. Because you know he would never make it that obvious. Or is it to the point where we're so on to Pat's annual... You know, deviation from the obvious that he now brings it full circle oh my. back to the obvious. Oh, that's you just hit level four. That's level that's four. That's level four. He would never provide you the satisfaction of that. That's that's it's level four, but he would never give you that. It's like I I would never push all my chips in with aces because that's too obvious, but I have aces. Boom. Oh, I got slack. I'm gonna give you guys, I'm gonna give you guys a little taste right now of what I think is going on Ooh. in that head of my Saturday co-host. Oh, I can't wait for this. And I'm just gonna give you a taste my of whistles. Uh, and I'm gonna give you a taste of what I think is at the table. So I'm not giving you the big or the whole enchilada. I'm giving you just a little. I think Falvey and Levine get a place at the table for the Kinsler trade. It's that type of stuff that he loves yes, to do. Yes. And I'm just that's it. That's all I'm gonna give you. I make Garcia, maybe. Yeah, and, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know that Royce likes them. And you know they turn the team around, but the probably be a table. And I know nothing. I've asked nothing. I've gotten no, no favors. I think you're right. Yeah. I think, you know, actually could. So Richard Patino is another guy that he loves to needle. I don't think Patino wins it because 
Gopher Sports last year, and I mean, he did bring them to the NCAA tournament, but then they lost to a 12 seed, a directional school, Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. to, to to build up the season and then to get squashed by Ooh. a 12 seed in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> Not to mention he happens to be his father's son. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Actually, Rick might Rick might be right next to him. They're both going to be at the oh, table. Yeah, they yeah. have to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Does yep. he get mad when we speculate and put out all the, like, pretty much nail all the, the characters at the table? Or do you think he likes the fact that the pregame show helps raise the profile? How can he not the like profile? the pregame show? You I'm just wondering. Like, I mean, it's, it's maybe spoiling some things. Actually, but he does not confide in us at all with this. No, he doesn't. Actually, what what if... He doesn't confide with me in what anything if next anymore. Year, but, <laughs> what if next year we go to a Harrigan hosted podcast, let's say bi-weekly, of Turkey of the Year speculation from day one. Actually, we could do like a one-week series leading up to it if we wanted to. We could we could put it on the Mackie and Judd feed, a special Turkey of the Year five-episode lead-up where we, we, we feature different possibilities. Like, like a 10-minute like episode. Mm-hmm. Gobbler cast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So many possibilities. But that's going to be a four-hour extravaganza. The the Patrick Royce Turkey of the Year pregame special, nine o'clock to one o'clock next Wednesday. Yeah, I'm I'm with Dave on this. It's become the best show of the year. Oh, 100 percent the best show. of the year. Completely all in on so that. So much fun. Yeah. Um. All right. We still have Matthew Collar from uh, Winter Park. What do you want to? I wasn't here in the first hour, so you tell us what should we dive into when we come back here. Uh, what didn't you and Chip get to enough? We got to everything, but we could get back to some Vikings actually. Okay. Cool.